with extreme prejudice. <laughs> Restrained usage. Oh, he's, he's recording. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, here we come. Yeah. Oh, my God. Here's where they decided. No, not Fair this enough. one. Not Don't this worry. one. <laughs> Don't worry, you guys. We'll use I, it sparingly I'll, I'll after this episode. Yeah, I'll, I'll use it sparingly. I won't be like a certain someone else. Who's always doing robot in jail. Maybe. What Maybe. The, I still don't understand why people hated Robot in Jail. It's like anybody, of all the characters, really, that's the one that you really. I don't think anybody actually hated that. I just think it was. Uh, I don't know. I like the dwarf that eats the poops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, no, my favorite of all though, Vagitac. Vagitac. This makes it makes it all work. Vagitac. Cosmic Raymond. Yeah, Cosmic, Cosmic Raymond. Raymond was pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Going down memory lane here, Columbastro. Columbastro is fantastic. <laughs> I wanted to do that the other day when you had that uh, story that had something with space in it, and I was going to go with it, but I couldn't get the voice right. <laughs> so we went to dinner tonight, and uh, so Jeff connected with one of the servers at Miller Ale House. Oh, it was, it was a it moment. Was like they connected. Locked, yeah, there they was locked eyes, and he was like, is that a fucking what the fuck he goes is that, <laughs> sorry is that a is that, sorry is not that a back to the future shirt not even our server yes yeah, another server walks by and goes is that a back to the future shirt and i'm like yeah and i and me and kate eyes glossed over we looked at each other paulette was like what the fuck and yep. uh and he basically what nerd he, shirts are for to find our own yeah well he found them well they, they <laughs> <laughs> The guy said that it, you know, as a big a fan as he was, and as much he knew about the movies, he didn't know about the whole thing with the uh, the photograph when Marty and his brother and sister start to fade away. Mm-hmm. That the original photograph had Eric Stoltz in it, and they airbrushed him out and put uh, Michael J. Fox in. Oh, you and dropped some knowledge on no, him. No, he 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 was. He asked me. He asked me if I knew about, about that. And he I was said, excited yeah. with oh, the discovery. Wait, wait. Did Jeff get mansplained? No, he was trying to. No, oh. he was he was yes, explaining he was that he had just learned that Tell and asked me if is. I had known about that. Oh, and I, I said see. yes. <laughs> you can't mansplain yes. Jeff. No, that just can't happen. It's it's if that happens, the world divides by zero. We all die. Yeah, absolutely. But then I had to explain it to them, and they were they were just like not having it. They're like, they're like, what? <laughs> I was like, what is he talking about? And I'm like, oh well, in the movie. Okay, listen, you know, it's a good movie, but it's not the best. Dun, dun, oh dun. shit! Right. And then Paul, holy shit! And Paulette didn't understand what the whole Eric Stoltz thing is, and I I had to tell her about him being yeah. cast, and then the months that they shot with it, him. It, and it was dessert for Jeff before dessert ever got to the table. <laughs> it's basically. true. It's true. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number five hundred fourteen. I am Master Torgo. Eighties Jeff. Commander K. Mm. You, you went there. You, Maple Leaf Matt. <laughs> Use it sparingly. He's terrified. He's terrified. It's a weapon of mass destruction. I'm, I'm going to overdo it. Yes, you and are. Then it'll be taken away from him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, like Andy, we we know why Andy doesn't like it because he didn't come up with it. <laughs> okay, so I really he, don't think Matt, that's why. Andy. Matt, did and you, he, uh, Matt, did you grow up with siblings, Matt? I have two. You have yes. two. Um, no, no, no. So but you did understand. you grow up with them? <laughs> Were they so, in the house yeah, with you as you yeah, grew up? Yes. So you okay. understand when someone doesn't play right with the toys, they get taken away from everyone. Yes. Yeah. So 
understood your fear. <laughs> that way Andy's <laughs> terrified. <laughs> well, no, he's going to take his pillows. So they're going on Facebook. Kay sent me a screenshot of the Facebook conversation. Yeah. Okay, so you're nodding. So you're nodding. You know. And he's like, "Oh God damn you guys! I won't do it! I won't do it!" I'm like, I'm reading. I'm like, no one asked you to do it. Where's this rage coming from? And oh, I see. I refuse to do it. It's like, re- okay. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, bring the funny baby man. No. <laughs> Oh, gentlemen, before we get into Week of Geek, week and, geek and all that good week stuff what we did, oh my God, I'm already talking too fast. I hear you. Thank you. I'm, Can you understand you? I'm, that makes one of us. Uh, I want to throw out there that in the Geek Shock Book Club, we're doing nominations for December's book, and December's book is going to be a graphic novel, so place <gasps> your... Graphic novel. Place your choices on the uh, Geek Shock Book Club Facebook page if you have an idea of what we should read. Cherry Pop-Tart. It's a porn comic in the Archie style. Oh. Yeah. So a new meaning to Jughead? So, so, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. Yeah, except uh, Matt doesn't like Jughead. (laughs) And you turn it around. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And another thank you again to uh, Ann Cow, Sam Heffernan, for yes. his, the use of the Burning Light song from a Synthetic Pseudonym EP. Yay, uh, Sam! The new Geek Shock theme. I'm such a... I love that thing so much. That, the pac maniness just makes me smile. Bow, bow, bow. Um, yeah. So, Jeff. Yeah, it sounds good. How about that Steelers-Browns brawl, huh? Hey, wow. Geez, that was crazy. Using the helmet and shit? Helmet is a weapon. Jeez. Not cool. That was crazy. We were at Miller Ale House tonight. <laughs> oh, shit. The Chiefs came in Mexico. They were wait, in Mexico. Wait, wait. You were at Miller's Ale House in Mexico? We were at Miller si. Ale House. <laughs> yeah, we just got back. Wow. Yeah, um, Casa de Miller's... <laughs> You remember the cocaine, right? Hola, Miller's cervezas. Hola, welcome. Oh shit! I can't do it. Bienvenido, Geek Shock. Oh wow! Episodio. Uno memento, Jeff. You know what? Let's do the Cinco. whole episode with this. The Cinco best of the way. <laughs> You'll love the man babies by the time this is over. Ah! <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, anyway, you were saying? That was a good game. It was a good game. <laughs> it was a good game. I'm not, I'm not talking about that because that's my team over there, and they lost their arguably their best player with yeah. that ridiculous attack. Boy. Assault. Oh, he lost I mean, his... Ban- he went bananas. Actions have consequences. And oh, shit. Oh, he doesn't True. seem like he believes he's being untre- unfairly treated. I mean, yeah. he, he owned up to it after he did it. And, you know. With eight seconds left to play, that was the yeah, real that's, killer. Yeah, that was Ouch. the killer. Like, dude... Indefinite, indefinitely suspended. All of those guys. It's like, guys, eight seconds. Come on. Yeah. And the drive wouldn't have met any difference to the overall score of the game anyway. And a bunch of pansies. Like hockey players, they're throwing bombs at each other. Football players, six foot not like six foot three, six foot four, three hundred twenty pounds. They come running over and they're like, eh, eh, get away from our quarterback. His name's and- Matt Marshall, football <laughs> players. Uh- little little like they can't even throw a proper punch. Like, come on, man. You can find him in uh, South Las Vegas. Uh, <laughs> so now we know that Matt's fast. favorite player is the Enforcer. <laughs> so, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? Sport is geek. Uh, in a certain light, sure. 
I'm all caught up on Watchmen. I'm yep. all caught up on The Mandalorian. Nope. I'm all caught up on World According to Jeff Goldblum. God damn, I love that show. I, I don't know what it is about the way that Jeff Goldblum explores these topics that he's involved in, but it's just, it's interesting. Uh, the first episode, he's talking about history of sneakers and how it's become this big collector market kind of thing and how much money is involved. And I have coworkers that are into that big shoe collecting thing. Like, I mean, they've told me the ridiculous amounts of money they've spent on shoes that they will never wear. And these aren't women. That, that are, you know, yeah, exactly. Uh, that just, they have like, they have their own closet just for their shoes yeah. so that they can show off their, yeah, exactly. Manolo Blanc uh, Jordans. So they can show off their collection to their friends and so forth. And I, I got a comic book collection very similar to that. Never yeah. been that interested in that whole, that whole um, collector just, market, but the episode was really fascinating. And then uh, the second episode of A World According to Jeff Goldblum was about ice cream. And that one was just super entertaining. It just really was. So if, if anybody has Disney Plus and has not checked it out, I highly recommend checking out World According to Jeff Goldblum. And, of course, The Mandalorian was super fascinating as well. That's Holy. the thing that really sucks with The Mandalorian. I've only seen the first episode. Okay. They're short, too. Have you noticed that? Yeah. What, uh, ha- what, they're half 40 an hour, minutes hour. 39 minutes. minutes for the first yeah. one and 32 minutes for the okay. second episode. Okay. It's just that whole, these three areas of the country get it. The rest of you get it in March 2020. So you yeah. have to deal with everybody that can't hold their shit in and, spo- and spoil everything in the meantime. Oh, you mean here in the U.S. we have it and then the rest of the world doesn't get it till yeah. next year? Okay, that's... So, yeah. The, uh, you said the rest of the country and I was oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, rest of the world. So, yeah, Europe, Australia. Now. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know what? They always get the Marvel movies first, so fuck them. <laughs> there you go. Is that it? Yes. Right. Well, non-spoilery talk. One of the things I really like about The Mandalorian is actually mean that, the guys. look and the feel <laughs> of the episodes. I mean, it looks and feels like a Star Wars movie. Yeah. And they're using practical effects. Mm-hmm. They're using puppets as well as light CG. And it just it looks very cinematic. But it's a 30-plus minute show. And that just that boggles my mind. I'm like, this is just amazing that they've been able to recreate that look and feel. Every now and then, on I, a want, small screen. I want to have a button that just opens up a small portal to like my 10-year-old self uh-huh. and, and just say, in the future, you're going to get this. And, I know, right? <laughs> and watching it, it was one of those moments I would just want to press that button and say, you're going to get Star Wars TV. Just wait. You'll be fine. There's well, little, especially there's little Torgo in full latex. What the hell was that? <laughs> especially like for, How did you know? Can I get my room? Well, and think if you, you think about it, like that kind of stuff for 30 time. years, we've been promised a Star Wars TV show, and Lucas kept putting Ewoks. it off because he said the we got Ewoks. That's true. We did Again. get those two Ewok specials and Damn the it. holiday special. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, and he's always talking about like how the. The technology just wasn't there to make it look right. Well, I guess we've reached that point now. That's right. <laughs> it does help that Disney bought it. Yeah. And you can throw that money behind yeah, it. Throw all that money behind it. You know, the I remember the first Ewoks movie and, and I didn't think it was that bad. The second one, I don't remember anything about it at all. They're both not good. No, they're, they're if, if you revisit them now, they're both not good. But that second one that is time, so much worse. Is it? Yeah. Even at the time. If nothing else, they did that whole Alien 3 thing. Oh, right. Where they wiped out all the characters except for one from the original. Nice. Like in, like in the first 10 <coughs> minutes. 
So it's like it's kind of like a cruel opening as a as a sequel as a kid show. They kill off everybody but the little girl. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, I don't remember any of these Ewok movies. Oh, if you want to borrow them, early eighties, it's it's fine. I never watched them, so (laughs) yeah. Uh, But I had to get a hold of Disney Plus for one reason. Uh oh, and that and I mean, Lady and the Tramp. I mean, afterwards, you know, I checked out Mandalorian and I checked out the World of Imagineering, which an incredible series. I know I have it in my queue to watch. I just haven't watched it yet. What so makes building that, the Marvel it, Universe one is good too. I watched that. It's basically a history of Disneyland and Disney World. Sure. But what's so amazing is one, not only do they have access to the footage you've never seen of these places being right. built, because uh, it's the first time they're showing it to anyone. Uh, but they've cleaned up those images so much that they look fantastic in high definition. Yeah. We're seeing something from 1958 going, that shouldn't look that good in color. Yeah, they went back and scanned all the original film stock and it's corrected it. I mean, shoot, I watched uh, uh, Steamboat Willie just out of curiosity. I wanted to see what it looked like. Cause... It's like a 3D now? Like... <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, oh. But the ways that I had seen it prior to yeah. on Disney+, Plus was very old, basically copies of a copy of a copy throughout the, the decades. So mm-hmm. very scratchy, very grainy. Um, in some cases, completely missing se- sequences of that film. But they have it fully restored on Disney+. And even though it's black and white, they've color corrected it so that you don't have those big jumps from white to kind of gray and then back for the backgrounds and then the huge disparities in color from one scene to another of the the outfits. Uh, but yeah, it's fascinating to see all of that that old footage beautifully restored. But even with my love for Disney parks mm-hmm. and my love for new Star Wars, the first thing I had to see, I had to see for myself. Oh. Because I was getting the rumbles of it on the internet, and I'm like, I don't know if this is a real thing I'm hearing or if this is some internet joke, and I'm not going to dig, dig deep. I'm going to look myself and just let it happen naturally. So I put on episode four, New Hope. Ah, yes. <laughs> McClucky. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, yes, it's it's I mean, it's the, the special edition version going up to there, but, my God, if you're not aware, and at this point I'm sure you are if you're anywhere in geek circles, when... They received A New Hope from Lucasfilm. George Lucas apparently did one more edit of the picture. Yeah, apparently he was prepping it for a 4K release prior to Disney buying um, Lucasfilm. The ever-controversial Han and Greedo scene. Who shot first? Greedo. Uh, Guido? Yeah. <laughs> Guido. <laughs> Guido. Yeah. <laughs> They, <laughs> I got you. I got your blaster right here, Han. <laughs> I waited to do this for a long time. If you're very familiar with the original version, uh, Greedo says his piece. Han says, uh, "They say I'll just take your ship. He's over my dead body, and then that's the whole idea." And then they've been waiting a long time for this. Greedo says in Hatties, and then Han says, "Yeah, I bet you have." And then the shot is fired, and then they did the new version and they both shoot at the same time and some Han has weird ducking reflexes. Yeah, where his 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 body doesn't move but somehow his head slides over a couple inches. But now I saw it and it's true. And it's so 
hilarious. I rewound it it's over pretty ridiculous. and over again because I was just almost in tears. And not like, oh my God, they did this to the movie tears. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's so ridiculous you it's, can't stop it's laughing. It's genuinely funny to watch because it cuts back to a quick front shot of Greedo and he just goes, Black Clunky. In a semi-Greedo voice, it's not the same voice and obviously yeah. not the no, same voice. It's obviously not the same voice. It's almost as if somebody had hacked the footage and inserted it themselves <laughs> because well, it's obviously unfinished. Somebody did, and his name was George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> he hacked his own film. And then it's the double shot, but it's just the delivery. And I know out there there's there's a reason for it that, that in Hutties, Ma Clownkey means like prepare to die in Hutties. That's apparently yeah. the thing behind it. There's 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 full explanation videos but, on YouTube if you want to know. But the delivery of that just that single shot with Greta going, Ma Clownkey is it's it's yeah. so beautifully overwrought. I brought my wife in to watch it. To, you you got to see this. It McClunky has now become the official curse word of the Bristow household. <laughs> <laughs> because when he's delivering, he might be saying, prepare to die in Huddies. But it, what it looks like he's saying is, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's, keep it. Please keep it. Don't change it. That's fine. I, I love this moment now. I will look forward to it every time I see Star Wars. So, bravo. Bravo! Keep the keep the dream alive. So funny. Nice. Yeah, I watched uh, Watchmen, and I was really thrilled with the last episode. Yeah. The the fear of lightning or whatever yeah, that yeah. last. Okay. Fear of the lightning too, or what have you? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It's I didn't realize I was a whole episode behind. I thought I was caught up, and I yeah. was futzing around with my Where, DVR it yesterday. Is it on uh, Hulu or HBO? Japan? HBO. Oh. But yeah, I was like futzing through it, and I was like, wait a minute, there's a fifth episode on here? I thought yeah. this was only the fourth. Yeah. So did they maybe do two episodes in a single night or something? No? Yeah. no. I'm just, You're okay. Just, you've I'm just lost behind. a week. That, I lost a week somewhere. lost Jeffrey weekend. I've lost time. That's yeah. okay. Again. I, I thought this was the Golden Knight second season, so I'm... <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, it's... Because uh, they, they did a thing. Uh, it's really funny. A couple of episodes. We even speculated briefly what, where are they going to go. And uh, they showed us where they went, and boy, oh boy, I was just so happy. So, so happy. I look forward to catching up on oh, it. Oh, my goodness. And, and it, it's really nice because they, they not only go there and embrace it, but they actually capitalize on it, um, and they expand on it a bit. Uh, so it's, it's really, 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 yay good. Fantastic. I'm really, I was really pleased. I don't know why I'd forgotten about the giant squid altogether. Like I mean, I know I I have read the novel, but I see, think the movie. See how I went like three minutes and didn't say giant squid. <laughs> <laughs> but they talk about it in the. They talk about it through the whole show. I'm not saying they show I their know. giant squid, but they reference it. Should I just call just the episode "Giant Squid"? <laughs> sure. There you go. You got one. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah. So anyway, with uh, this. Uh, Spoiler episode, but but I meant as far as like I I remember it's in the comic yeah now but for some reason the movie version of the ending is the one that stuck with me oh, with yeah. for New York and it's the and I one. and it wasn't until I was watching the series and I'm like why do they keep talking about a giant squid I don't oh shit now I remember yeah and it's just it's it's 
is just so cool because I really think that's the the right way to go. It is. And they're going there. They, My own personal did. Mandela effect. They did. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the giant squid stain. But, uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, no, it, oh, dude, I was just so overjoyed as soon as it was like, oh, they're doing it, they're doing it, oh, my God. It was just beautiful. Uh, um, yeah, I just, and I'm enjoying, the, you know, it's it's really neat what they're doing and where yeah. they're going with this uh, this whole premise and thing. So, just really fun. Um, now, in the follow-up novelizations to... Watchmen. I haven't read any of these like supplemental stuff. Or any yeah. of the the mm-hmm. I don't know if you want to call it the add-on stuff. You know what? I haven't either. Mostly because I just don't count it. I didn't. Yeah, I don't. Well, I, was, I haven't either. Well, what I was going to ask is like, has anything that has happened in the series thus far happened in any of that supplemental material? Oh my! I, I don't, don't think so. Yeah. I okay. Think so this is drawn from this is all new all. territory. Then. I think it is. Okay. I think it Lindelof. Is. Yeah, he's been pretty clear that he's doing <laughs> his own thing. <laughs> okay. He's just. Sitting there coming in every week. Okay, what do we do now? <laughs> oh, my God, guys. Literally every week. He's like, okay, shoot. Uh, since we don't have the, the outline for the whole season, what are we going to do next, guys? I know, the guy comes in with the sandwich cart. He's like, Benny, Benny, what would you do? I would get mustard on this. Okay, mustard. Let's go with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> New hero, Colonel Mustard. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's just, man. It's just, it, it. It's brain dazzling, so I'm now just that's happy. A, now that's that's a they should need to chop that log tag. I know, I know. Blurb it. Yeah, that that is Commander a, K says brain dazzling. That that's built for a goddamn blurb. Yep, sizzle your gray matter. It is amazing how they've managed to maintain with some fava beans <laughs> a lot of the look of the the comic. Yeah, in the series, the comic and the but movie. but make it yeah but make it look realistic and yeah. not not comic-y mm-hmm. like you know like a batman and robin right no movie. batman robin 66 so they, they or manhattan thing out of it like there's no dr manhattan uh he's not around he's referenced mm. but he's yeah they haven't you know he hasn't you haven't seen him yet yeah it looks like okay. the snyder movie without the snyder sty- stylization right yeah 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 yep nice and without the snyder ending <laughs> Which, you know, I can't, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be too hard on the Snyder, uh, but I just, it, it was definitely an artistic game of chicken that the the creative team on the movie flinched. Yeah. Because they just, they they were terrified of uh, trying to do that. And it's funny because, uh, like, a great blogger one time commented on Galactus when, you know, the uh, Fantastic Four movie came out and Galactus was a big cloud. Right. They were like, if you can't make a hundreds of feet tall dude in purple and blue armor scary, you need to move aside and let someone in who can. You know, because <laughs> yeah. if you think about it, that squid thing, if it if it really, really, really did happen, it would just, you'd be shit your pants panicking because it would just, what the fuck just happened? And that's the filmmaker's job. Is to make that that real, and if you don't have confidence confidence in that, why are you doing this? Yeah, I don't want to slam Zach too much because I actually, I mean, aside from that, I really love the movie. Mm, same, so, <clears throat> yeah, I really enjoyed it, uh, but uh, I I do think that something was missed there, and I really hate everybody, all the creators, 
you know, writers and film types. Oh, it's a, it was a, a real good fix to a problem that I just didn't know they were going to. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. You chickened out. They bought that ticket. They knew what they were getting into. <laughs> yeah. But, it, it, yeah, the, what the series is doing is just marvelous. Fantastic. And the setup for next week, too, is right. wacky. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where the hell they're going next week, but yeah. I'm, I'm anxious to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I continue this, uh, my next bit, uh, don't do you have anything? Me. Matt, no. I want to give you this chance. This floor is yours. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went and saw Midway. That's not really geeky, though. No, it works. Did you like yeah. it? Yeah, it's good. It was interesting, the characters they, they focus in on. Like, uh, was it William... Admiral uh, Herschel, or fuck's his name? Halsey. Halsey. Wow, Herschel. 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 Admiral <laughs> Herschel. Hey, the Japanese is coming. <laughs> he wasn't really involved in Midway. He was in the hospital at that point, but he's right, a Halsey. central. Yeah, he's a central character in that whole movie. Yeah. Well, he and he personally selected Spruance. Yes, it's Spruance, Spruance right? Yeah, which he was the main man. Yeah, Glenn Ford. Is it in at the, least uh, better than Pearl Harbor? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what? Now, what? Pearl Harbor's in that. Okay. So they they oh, do a really? whole, like, you, it's a couple no, of I meant, years. You, you I meant want, the Michael want... Bay Pearl yeah, Harbor. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, but, yeah. uh, Was there fucking? <laughs> Did two guys fuck the same chick at different times? <laughs> no? Oh. No. Team America was on the other day, and they were doing that song that references Pearl Harbor. <laughs> it's like, he sucks as bad as Ben Affleck in Pearl Harbor. <laughs> You'll you'll like it. It's good. But other than that, that was my only problem with it. Okay. Did they, so did, not historically accurate. It was some, somewhat, but just not those characters. Some of those characters, yeah. They okay. took some creative license. Yeah, I gotcha. That's a, it. There is this thing on YouTube. This guy did a uh, an, an analysis of Midway from the Japanese perspective. Oh, interesting. And uh, boy, oh boy, those poor bastards. They just could not figure out what the fuck was going on. When well, they, they were fighting each other, the Navy versus the Army. Right. But, and and, the, the friggin'. But, but in Midway itself, it was like there was just enough little micro fuck ups that combined to just absolutely primo fuck them over. And the way he's, the way he's setting it up, you know, usually when people discuss this, like, now the American planes were over here and they were coming in, you know, and the Japanese were, but here it's like, so the Japanese decided we're going to change the armament on the planes yes. and then all of a sudden on his map all these arrows appear and it's like, and then the Americans show up and they're like, ah, oh, fuck! <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And it's just like, and everything is just like, holy shit! And it really was, it was like the worst possible circumstances Every little teeny tiny thing that had to go wrong to make it a complete disaster happened. And it yeah. was it was just mind-blowing. And the American exploitation of that was was profound. I mean, they yeah. just, they, like Sung Tzu, you know, you wait, let them make their mistake and then, you know, do your thing. And, oh, boy, it was, well, yeah, wow. The, 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 the two Japanese admirals were, were uh, well, the admiral and the commander, the commander of the army, admiral of the navy, couldn't get along for mm -hmm. strategies and things like that. So, well, yeah, it, yeah, that was one of the things. And, and the commander of the army is the guy who wants to switch the armaments of the planes. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, it, it, it just, yeah, it's, just fucking fucking wacky crazy. Yeah. So, and then I saw another. It was really funny. An early, uh, 
uh, the World War II in real time, the weekly special. The guy is covering World War II week by week. This week or last week, no, this week he did the Britain shows Japan how to attack Pearl Harbor. Because Britain did an aerial torpedo attack on the Italian Mediterranean fleet at uh, Toronto, 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 Italy. And they devastated. They devastated the Italians. And the Japanese took note of that and were like, oh, wow. Yeah. Fleet air arm really just just wreaks havoc. Okay. So that had a, that actually had an impact on uh, on uh, the Pearl Harbor attack. So. Yeah. And also the Enterprise wasn't hit at all. I'm like, yeah. uh, it's... It gets its ass handed. It doesn't sink. Eventually it no. sinks. Yeah. But it, it takes a beating. Well, it was great uh, when the Yorktown showed up and they're like, the the what? That we sank that three thirty days ago. <laughs> yeah. In Coral Sea. What the fuck is that doing here? And, and they were they were just they've got to be wrong. It can't be the Yorktown and it's the Yorktown and they're just like, What in the fuck? Yeah. It was great. It's a good movie, though. It, it, oh, fantastic. Like it. It's a very, very Supposedly, good. the whole reason that the Starship was named Enterprise is because Roddenberry flying fighters in World War II was shot down and was rescued by the Enterprise. Yeah. And, Air, and, aircraft and the, carrier. the Starfleet, because you have yeah. the Yorktown. Yeah. Uh, there's so, there was supposed to be a USS Hornet in there somewhere yep. that you, know, you really never heard about. But, uh, yeah, that was, a lot of that was... Uh, uh, based on the World War II stuff. Because that was, golly, that was only 20 years old by the time Star Trek was made. <laughs> yeah. So. Speaking oh, of movies. Oh, movies. I know I get a lot of shit from you, you guys not. and you the monkeys. Not. No, you didn't. For Uh-oh. missing s- certain movies in the 80s. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I decided this week to rectify one of those. Deathstalker. Which one? I watched a fantasy movie I've never seen before. I'll take it back. I tried to watch it when I was younger, and I didn't make it through awake. So this time I had to put my foot down and said, I am going to watch this movie because uh, you guys deserve it. Shock Muggies deserve it. So I watched the uh, ultimate fantasy film, Xanadu, this week for oh, the first no. time. Oh, have you guys seen Xanadu? <laughs> I have, but I don't remember much of it. No. Yes. <laughs> how? How did this movie, how did it happen? No one knows. Film <laughs> historian? No, no answer film historian? Uh, I got nothing for you on that one. <laughs> I, I, now, granted, I've not done any research on that, but I agree with him. How did this movie get made at all? It is, it is like somebody decided to take Pink Floyd's The Wall, have sex with The Wiz... And give it, <laughs> and then give it the biggest painting of a white person you ever could yeah. over top. It's jaw dropping. It's 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 point like when it was done, I was like that was horrible. I don't know if I would ever want to watch it again. No, you don't. <laughs> but there's a part of me that likes it because it's just no, just does not deserve to be. It's one of those almost bad. It's good movies. All right, how did this happen? How did you end up watching this? Because right now, the cynic in me is smelling wife. No. I, I, she, was, she was asleep. This has been on my DVR for weeks. Jesus Christ. DVR? Yeah. I still have cable. Of uh, the... Uh, God, he's so old. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Got to get my commercials. So if you're not oh. familiar, and you might not be, and that's okay, 
Uh, Xanadu is a movie that's made in 1980. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't call it a musical. It, it has is, musical it elements. It, it's, it's musical in the same way that if you had more speaking lines, that The Wall is a musical because there are moments where there are songs that no one sings that it takes a break for, and there are songs that they sing in the show. Mm-hmm. It was originally conceived to be kind of a answer to a roller disco craze. And wasn't it originally supposed to be like just a stage play, and no. then they made it to the movie? No, this was always conceived. Oh as my a movie. god, there's a Xanadu okay. the musical. Yes, that, well, that's what I was. That's what I was <laughs> no, going to say no, next. No, I will get to that. That came later. Yes, um, it did. Much later. Uh, if I, I'm, I'm going to try to break movie. down the story a little bit for you. Uh, I won't go huge into it because uh, you can't because there's not a lot of story. Guy who has sold his artistic worth. He's, a, he's an artist at heart, but he's using that to repaint album covers for record stores. You know, this is the 80s. So record stores would have these big album covers out front of the store to advertise what's there. Yep. He's the guy that paints those. And he's dying artistically. What the movie doesn't quite make clear, but might be, is that one of the murals he painted a while ago of some muses sees one of his ripped up paintings. That's right. And it comes to life. And one of those muses is Olivia Newton John. She's oh, a yeah. muse. Dude, there's like a really good lot of stars in this. Yes. Holy shit. It's a, yeah. It was a huge thing. <laughs> Gene it's, Kelly, Michael Beck. It's Gene like, Kelly's last movie. That's yep. his last movie. Yeah, so this guy, he meets Livy Newton-John. She's roller skating by him. <laughs> and it's like, that who's that girl moment? And then he meets our Mr. Kelly playing clarinet on the beach. Apparently, he used to run this big club back in the, uh, the swinging times. And he had his own muse. Same person. And he decides to... Three-way. I hear three-way. This... Kid he just meets, who was the lead of the Warriors, by the way. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, the Warriors come out and play. Yeah, that Warriors. Come out and play. They just met, but he decides to go into business together to open up what turns out to be the most fabulous roller disco on the planet. But the problem is, Muses can't fall in love. She falls in love with the Warriors guy, uh, so she gets kicked back to Olympus. And then Warriors guy has to go to Olympus, but looks more like Tron. And Ooh, and now I'm interested. And she, she sings. <laughs> Don't be. She sings an absolutely horrible song, and so she makes one last appearance in the roller disco the night it opens. Sings a f- couple more bad songs and one good one, and then disappears for the rest of his life, leaving behind uh, a cocktail waitress that looks just like her as a parting gift. It's weird it's really weird and and there's hits in this uh livy newton john song magic yep have to believe we are magic nothing can stand in our way that's from this movie and uh, electric like or light s- suddenly orchestra. suddenly the duo she sings with cliff richards in the album in the movie they do that whole song suddenly it's not an interesting duet but they don't sing it. They just roller skate to it for five and a half minutes Aww. along various sets. Aww. It's not as sweet as it sounds. <laughs> not as sweet as it sounds. 
And yes, Jeff, ELO wrote yep. the title track. Oh, oh, that's right. ELO's the other half of this goddamn soundtrack. Yeah, that's going to say there's like six songs from ELO on this on yeah. the soundtrack. One side is all Olivia Newton-John songs. The other side's all ELO songs. Oh, you're talking on the actual album. And we're talking the al- al- okay. actual album. And in the movie, yes. they are pre-existing ELO songs that never really got released, I guess, is how it worked. Or did uh, they get released? I, I, that I'm not sure of the story behind, but I know like all over the world is in there. And of course, Jeff um, Lynn himself yeah. wrote the song Xanadu, which became a hit. Right. And he is quoted as saying that is his favorite song he has ever written, personally. And you know what? It's not a bad song. It's a good little it's, song. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's very ELO-ish. Right. But the, the show takes so many weird left turns out of nowhere. Like there is an extended montage song about getting Gene Kelly dressed up for the modern disco era. Woo! Yeah, that one's a... And when she makes her final Muse appearance and sings three songs, one of them is a kind of rock song. The other one is a kind of country song and then of course the xanadu song itself it's so amazingly bizarre and if you like bizarre weird movies check it out but if if you if all this says uh, i don't think i'd like this you wouldn't you won't yeah you're not gonna like it at all it really is bizarre i i ended the movie very confused about how I felt about life. Ah, even visu- that cinema. Even that visually, cinema. it's really bizarre. Like, it is. like, like the cinematography in it. You're looking at it, and you're like, "Who did the set design on this?" They pulled back the budget. They yeah. rushed up the time release. Because if I remember, there's there's a lot of just like bare white walls and stuff in a lot of scenes. There's a huge Gene Kelly dance number he does with. Uh, Olivia Newton-John, yes. and it's very in the classic style of Gene Kelly. That's something they added after the movie was done because they realized that they need to do one more th- oh, thing. Okay. And there's an animated sequence that I completely forgot, created by Don Bluth, Secret of Nim, Dragon's Lair, yeah. Don Bluth. And it's rotoscope too, right? Yes. Like they wrote, yeah. Ooh, they I love rotoscoped it from uh, actual dancers because they forgot they had an ELO song that they were contractually obliged to put in the song movie that they forgot to do. So at the last moment, they created an animated sequence out of nowhere. It's so messed up. Now, when this was all said and done, of course, I learned that there was the EL, the uh, Xanadu musical that you referenced, Matt. You, you went know. down the rabbit hole on oh, this dude. one, didn't you? I had to know. When <laughs> I was done, I had so yeah. many questions. He, he's done this before. This isn't the first time he's talked about something like this. And well, but I mean, it's down the it's, rabbit hole. I, I understand it. I have done that too. Like, I'll get like one question in my brain. It's like, oh, I wonder what the origin of this is, and then suddenly it's like Wikipedia, YouTube video, YouTube video, trip to the library, um, or well, now you can just download it now on your, the old your tablet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, before I had the um, overdrive and stuff where I could just download those books onto my tablet, if you wanted like a film history book, you had to go to the library to pick it up because it's only been recently that they put a lot of those older books on there. But anyway, sorry. So on YouTube, and Mm -hmm. as you say, that's where you go in the rabbits. Yeah. The whole Broadway musical of Xanadu is on YouTube. The entire? Beginning to end. You can watch it. And I highly recommend it. Okay. Especially if you have seen Xanadu and you have that kind of don't like it, 
but there's a part of you that does, this musical fixes it all. <laughs> this musical is very aware and very meta about Xanadu. I'll, I'll be mm. honest. I like musicals of films that I don't care for because sometimes the musicals are just so tongue-in-cheek and entertaining that it makes you forget about how bad a film is. So oh, The musical dials up the satire, and of course it's all nice. on roller skates. Uh, at least one of the characters are. Guess which one? So you're welcome, guys. You're welcome, Shock Monkeys. I've caught up on an 80s fantasy movie I have never seen before. That's funny. Thanks. You, you, yeah, I'm so glad you did that. Like, <laughs> Kirsten's all dejected over here. I'm like, I know. Uh, I was getting all excited. Next one, go Braxis. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then I tracked down the Abraxas musical on Broadway. Well, actually, off-Broadway. Actually, off-off-Broadway. It was in Poughkeepsie. <laughs> although, although now I, for some reason, really want to see uh, Space Hunter. The Adventures of the Forbidden Zone. Oh yeah, that's a fun one. That one's a Michael Ironside. Uh, yeah, I mean yeah. it's it's worth a watch for the historical value, if you will. Historical value. Middle. That's an interesting way. Of yeah, that it. middle eighty. Well, yeah, and middle middle age zone. Uh, Peter Strauss and young. Uh, sixteen Mo- candles. Molly Ringwald. Molly Ringwald. Yeah. And, uh, and the, like they're they're sort of becoming a couple, which is really funny because nowadays people would be all yeah, well because she yeah she doesn't she play like a really young teenager yeah, in the did. film like she's like thirteen or something. Uh, I don't I, I don't I, just, I don't I, know it's about been a that. long time. Jesus Christ, <laughs> Jeff, no, wow. I mean like don't they say in the film she's only like thirteen? Or I know, 14 I or I think maybe fourteen, maybe fifteen. Okay, no, I, well, I it's been say. a long time since I've seen it, but yeah, it's it's. It's awesomely bad. I mean, it's 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 a film that is ripe for yeah. riffing. It's kind of crawl, but for science fiction. Oh. Yeah, even though crawl's got a little science fiction. Well, I will say Molly Ringwald was 16 years old when she made 16 Candles. That, that's <gasps> and makes sense. this was made before 16 yeah, Candles. So it makes sense. Yes, right. Yeah, and yeah. So right. it wasn't just clever writing in the film. <laughs> plus, plus, Ernie Hudson's in it. Yes, Ernie Hudson is Michael Ironsides. That man can chew scenery. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anything else you do this week, guys? Uh, I started a new book on my Kindle. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What'd you start? Howard Andrew Jones for the Killing of Kings. Howard Andrew Jones is an editor I like. He is uh, basically brought uh, historical adventure writer Harold Lamb back up to the fore uh, from his time uh, from writing in the early 20th century, the 1920s, a man who had a tremendous influence on Robert E. Howard. And Jones uh, actually wrote a couple good books uh, in a Arabian Nights vein, um, uh, like oh, years ago, a few ten years ago, seven years ago, something like that. And this is a new series, entirely different type of thing. It's kind of evocative of uh, Brandon Sanderson, actually, except that the books are shorter and uh, he explains things. Uh, Todd, you'd be very happy to know. I appreciate it. I think this. I think this book would survive the Todd one hundred pages uh, <laughs> uh, cut off. So, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Is this the first of a series, or yes, the second book has actually just come out. Oh. I just stumbled across this, uh, wasn't even really aware, and uh, so it's. Uh, but it's. Uh, yeah, 
for the killing of kings. Yes, uh, kind of a kind of sword and sorcery, kind of epic fantasy, and it's got some nice freaky weird elements to it. So the magic system is you know made me think of Brandon Sanderson. There's also weird stuff like uh, chaotic shifting lands. Uh, that uh, are constantly morphing and changing and stuff like that. So it's not just a prosaic, you know, uh, theme park fantasy, uh, get on your mighty horse and, and, you know, charge off to save the princess type thing. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, I just, you know, um, I don't know what to say, except that I did it. That's my geeky thing. So, so I'm saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Live, live with it. Oh, um, I, I did finish Dr. Sleep this week. Ah, uh, the, the book, still haven't book. seen the movie okay. yet. Uh, I will say the book is certainly worthwhile if you've been sitting on your shelf like mine and just haven't touched it. Oh, dear. Do it. If you like The Shining, it's a worthy sequel. Would you say it's better to read the book before going seeing the film, or should I go see the film and then go back and look at the novel? Here's how I think about that. If you have never read the novel and have only seen the movie, go see the movie. Okay. If you have only read the novel and never seen the movie, who are you? Well, um. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, as far as my history with it, I have seen the film many times. Sure, I have never been able to go back and read the novel, not for you know any reason other than I just haven't done it. Um, the novel, and I am aware of the differences mm-hmm. because okay. just being a fan of Stanley Kubrick, I know the 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 rift that happened between him and Stephen King, and. You know, Stephen King really not happy with a lot of the changes that Kubrick made to the story for the film. So I, I am aware of the differences between the two without having actually read the the novelization of uh, The Shining. So I, you're saying I should probably go see Dr. Sleep and then go back and read the book. This is what I think you should do at okay. where you're at. Yes, I think you should go ahead and see Dr. Sleep because if you know The Shining by the movie and that's how you know The Shining, right. Dr. Sleep is a continuation pretty much of that story. Sure. They melded the two stories together to create this movie. Gotcha. Uh, but then if you're interested in reading Dr. Sleep, I would recommend going back and watching the miniseries that they made, that okay. Stephen King's The Shining in the uh, 90s. Stephen Weber, right? Yes, okay. Stephen yeah. Weber, because that is a more faithful adaptation to the novel, and that will set you up better for Dr. Sleep, okay. the novel. Gotcha. Because Dr. Sleep, the novel, is a sequel to Stephen King's The Shining novel. Through okay. and through. The movie does not figure in at all. Okay. Well. Gotcha. But now i got to see the movie to see the what the differences are and how they put the Kubrick stuff into it. So. I want to see the movie. And I will say, very satisfying story as far as the novel goes. Yeah. So I, I imagine in the hands of that director... Uh, it's going to be just fine for now. I don't think I've ever asked you. Now you've seen the Kubrick Shining. Oh yes, and you've read the book. Yes. What is? I, I, some people are just adamant about the fact that that movie is not. They they don't like the movie because they they say it's not a hundred percent faithful to the book. And then there are people that are advocates for the movie, and they're like, "Well, I don't." They they kind of push aside the novel, even though that's the source material. What's your take on? Like, what's your personal feeling on it? Do you like both of them? Do they stand on their own, or they definitely stand on their own? And I like, I'm, I'm in the camp that I like the novel better. Okay. Uh, when I, in fact, when I, and I, it's somewhat marred because I was young when I first saw the movie. 
Right. And I saw the movie after I read the novel, not knowing there was a huge gap in difference. Gotcha. So when I saw that movie, I it's like, this is not what I read. And as I got older and saw what Kubrick's vision is, mm-hmm. I appreciate it for right. what it is. I still don't understand people who say, The Shining is the scariest movie I've ever seen. Because I don't think The Shining is scary at all as far as movies go. I think it's interesting fi- psychological thriller. Right. But I don't see it. I was never scared by it at any point in my life. I wasn't ever scared by it either, but I could kind of understand. I wasn't. You know, <laughs> Look so at me like I was scared. I, I just wanted right. in Canada if they scared of that sort of thing since I, it was no. cold. No. I, think <laughs> at that, I think at that time, people put themselves into the, the wife role and the terror of watching your husband slowly... The performances are yeah. amazing. Oh, yeah. Kub- of, Kubrick browbeat his actors to get some... A horribly wonderful yes. performances. Oh my God, Shelley um, uh, Wint Duvall. Thank you, Shelley. <laughs> I I could I, oh I was like I, I started to say it. And I was like it's not Winters. Uh, yeah. She would kick poor Jack's ass around the block. <laughs> But it would that it, it would be just the opposite. Jack would be in the bathroom like <laughs> she'd be like, "I'm coming in." Here's no, but Shelley. like Shelley Duvall, I remember in an interview said that that Kubrick basically tortured her throughout the film to get the performance she wanted. Like so much so that she she said, if it, in today's terms it would be um, uh, post PTSD. Oh, that that what well, she was uh, feeling after they were done filming the. The movie, because she said she says I just I didn't want to do a movie again after that, and she eventually did. But was well, he like sneaking up like I'm gonna kill you? No, like, but like, like you know, what the fuck was he doing? Like, here's waterboarding. Like, it's it's hard to explain if you don't know Kubrick in his history. But takes after takes after takes. Uh, um, uh, yelling uh, at the yelling actors, at her and, and um, really browbeat, literally yes. browbeating, psychologically and torturing her, insulting to get her, the, just, in, yeah. the performance that he wanted. Okay. And and apparently he has done that with other actors too, but uh, not to the extent of what he did to her. Apparently, little yeah. Danny. Um. Well, oh, know. he was all bruises. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'd hold him over the you know the edge of a building. I'll drop him if you don't fucking cry. <laughs> fucking cry right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I appreciate the Shining. The Kubrick's version, I still like it. I think it's beautiful to watch. Oh yeah, it's visually stunning. Yeah. Even to, it, it, I think it even holds up visually to some of today's Certainly. best films. Certainly, uh, but I still like the novel better. Hmm, that's fair. I just I was just curious. Anything else, gentlemen? Nope. All right, a quick little email. Men of the Lair. Spoiler territory. That's why I've held this for a little while because I had to wait ah. for Joker to be out for a little bit. Two. So two quick ideas. I felt that with Joker having his manic episodes and memories being wrong, when I left the movie, I couldn't tell what was real or in his mind, only leading me to believe that maybe the whole movie was made up. And two, do you think that the plot twist of him being adopted actually helped bring the essence of not knowing his true identity back? Uh, thanks for good podcasting, Stone Cold Scoop Austin. Thank you, Stone Cold. Uh, to the adoption thing, yes. It does. It, it, it opens yeah. everything right back up. Yes. Because I was like, oh, now we know his mom had an affair with Mr. Wayne. Like, that. that's not Joker. What? What? And it's like, oh, adopted. Okay, cool. So now right. we don't know what is true. Maybe yes. she did. Maybe she didn't. Because, yes. you know, he finds yeah. the photograph. Um, I, I think there's... 
a good possibility that maybe the whole thing did take place in his mind. And the only real thing that we see is the very end where he's talking to the therapist. But I think that's intentional. I think he, uh, uh, Phillips, the director, essentially said, I'm going to leave it up to the audience, you know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't all in his mind. You know, maybe parts of it were real, and then the other parts completely fabricated by his own mental problems. So I, I, I like the fact that it's not directly stated. You know, this is the way it is. You know, left up to the audience's sure. interpretation. And, and, and even if you just pick and choose with that, like just his uh, coworker giving him the gun, right, could never have happened. Yeah, he could have just taken the gun at some yeah, point and maybe. put that story in there for his own head. Yeah, maybe he there's, stole there's it out of his locker. There's a lot of things to play with mentally with this. Right. Uh, as far as the finale goes, you're right. You, we don't know for sure uh, everything leading up to it. But uh, and I doubt uh, that Todd Phillips has in his mind that this was all a dream. Could have passed him. But yeah, the fact that we know parts of it were in his head yeah. and that Phil, Joe, uh, Todd Phillips is not stating what is and isn't mm-hmm. other than what's obvious in the film. Well, he is definitely an unreliable narrator. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting yep. take on it. Well, a hell of a thing broke today, so let's go into news you don't give a shit about. Okay. What broke today? A lot of okay, things Okay, no, heart. Oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, kind of a long read on this one, so just bear with me on this. The Justice Department will ask a federal court to eliminate the Paramount Consent Decrees, the 71-year-old restrictions on major distributors' control of the exhibition pipeline of film. Uh, The elimination of the decrees could alter dynamics of the film business and perhaps lead to further consolidation. But the DOJ, which has been looking to eliminate the decrees since last year, believes that they are from an outdated time before multiplexes, on-demand movies, and streaming. Quote, We have determined that the decrees, as they are, no longer serve the public interest because the horizontal conspiracy, the original violation animating the decrees, has been stopped. Unquote. That's from Macon DeLarum, the chief of the antitrust division. He said in a speech to the American Bar Association on Monday. He said that they... DOJ would be asking a federal court to terminate the decree, except for a two-year sunset period on the ban uh, on the ban on block booking and circuit dealing. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, the 1948 Supreme Court decision in favor of the government compelled studios to sell their personally owned theater chains. The landmark decision led to the crumbling of the studio system in which the seven major studios of the time held tight control over all aspects of production, distribution, and exhibition. That means the theaters themselves. In the wake of the ruling, Paramount, MGM, Warner Brothers, 20th Century Fox, and RKO, 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 RKO were forced... Out of nowhere! RKO out of nowhere. ...are forced to divest <laughs> their exhibition chains. And the consent decrees restricted certain types of distribution practices. The decrees applied only to those studios and to Columbia Pictures, Universal, and United Artists, but not to Disney, which was then not among the majors. Uh, Delarim argued that the decrees are out of date 
and even noted that, quote, much of our movie watching isn't in theaters at all. We cannot pretend that the business of film distribution and exhibition remains the same as it was 80 years ago, he said in his speech. Uh, new streaming giants uh, like Netflix and Amazon are not bound by the decrees. In comments to the Justice Department, the National Association of Theater Owners argued that the decrees were more necessary than ever, given that the changes in the industry. Uh, they specifically cited the prohibition on block booking or the selling of an entire slate of films as a unit. Their argument is that without restrictions on block booking, quote, studios could require ex exhibitors to book their entire slate of films in wide release for multiple week, multiple week runs at the, the sacrifice of smaller films. If that happens, they argued, they would, quote, leave little to no room for important films from smaller studios or even documentaries. Among other things, uh, uh, NATO here, that's the National Association of Theater Owners, <laughs> argued that the result would be less room for mid-range movies as major studios seek more screens for their tentpole movies. Quote, without the ability to guarantee a wide release or even a tailored platform release, Independent studios will not have the screens they require for mid-range movie success to the detriment of consumers, uh, Nato said last year. They also argued that eliminating the prohibition on block uh, booking would curb experiments in variable pricing. Uh, the Writers Guild of America West also warned the DOJ that uh, without the decrees, quote, vertically integrated studios will advantage their own films by putting them on more screens for longer by contract, therefore foreclosing movie-going customers to competing producers and narrower consumer choice. And in his speech, Delarim, that's the guy from DOJ, said that the sunset period will allow for a period of transition in which studios and exhibitors can adjust their licensing proposals. He also suggested that termination of the decrees does not mean that practices like block booking are legal. He said that the antitrust division could still bring scrutiny to distributors' conduct using the, quote, rule of reason, unquote. Uh, quoting on, if credible evidence shows a practice harms consumer welfare, antitrust enforcers remain ready to act, uh -huh. he said. Uh, the DOJ is expected to file to terminate the decrees in the next week. A federal judge would then have to approve it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Nato said that it will comment further once they review the government's motion. Well. That, yeah, that uh, I did get a chance to read that today. And that's scary. Um, I think, yes, parts of it are out of date and the law needs to be updated. It's a little baby with the bathwater. But, yeah, I don't think flushing it all together just to, you know, hope that the theater owners and the, the movie studios are going to hash out reasonable contracts because, you know... <laughs> we we have CinemaCon here in town uh, every year, which is the theater owners convention that uh, the studios come and they try to convince the theater owners to purchase a certain number of copies of each film to distribute throughout the season. So I'm wondering what that would look like if this gets taken out because you could go back to the block booking and it's like, well, because I know... it. It's never truly completely gone away. Right. They've, because they've... they'll say, you know, hey, if you put this movie in at least three of your screens, 
we'll include this, this, and this, and we'll bundle it all together under this price. And then each theater pays a different price based on a lot of different factors, uh, seat numbers in each theater, um, city location, population, et cetera. So um, we actually talked a lot about the, the Paramount decision back in film school. Oh, of course. Because back then the studio system was crazy. You know, the, the studios did all their own distribution, which they pretty much still do today, but they had their own theaters and so if you were in a small town that had an independently owned theater, those theater owners were paying ridiculous prices to exhibit those films. And in some cases, they couldn't afford to do that. So they weren't able to you know, exhibit many of these popular films. So if you were in a small town, you might not have got to ever see you know, movies that are now classics. So it's... The Maltese Falcon again? Yeah. Oh, oh no, that would that would that would not have been unless you were in a studio owned um, yeah, but I'm cinema. Like thirty years down there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, yeah, that's a that's a big story. Yeah, it really is. It, it's huge, and there's we don't know the ramifications of this. We won't know for a little while. Uh, and this but is, I don't believe that everyone's going to play d- nice because Disney's already shown that they don't play nice with movie theater d- distribution. Well, and then this is this is not a political thing. The bar-run Justice Department. I've had an issue with Barr as a legal analyst for a long time because his interpretations of the law are at best tenuous. Uh, yeah, very, very broad... Um, interpretations of certain things um lots of lawyers have even questioned his you know you know you have like 10 lawyers and nine of them are like okay this is what that means and then Barr is like well no it means this and he's been put in a position of power that maybe he doesn't deserve to be in and again shocked to hear this 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 smells of lobby money and, and and like I said, this isn't a political, this is a literal interpretation of his history with the law. And them eliminating that decision is scary to me because I don't have a lot of faith in this Justice Department to actually enforce oh, yeah. the laws on the book, let alone... Steamboat, truly bring force and and uh, an antitrust right with some, <laughs> or with, you know fucking <laughs> fucking antitrust division will keep an eye on things yeah, yeah like you've been doing for everything else you know how many times have we seen oh we don't want this merger because x and they're like oh don't worry don't worry we won't do x when we do this merger and then they merge in the very next year x and the antitrust division doesn't do jack shit i'm 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 yeah that's all bullshit they're they're just gonna they're gonna let the corpse run rampant and not give a fuck. It's gonna get nasty if this uh, continues on. Yeah, you're right. It's not gonna. Yeah, they're gonna watch and they're gonna turn the other way. But hey, we'll see. Good luck. Vote. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. <laughs> Vote. The stars of the DC movie universe are turning out on social media to lend their support to the resurgent fan push for the release of director Zack Snyder's version of Justice League. (laughs) On the two-year anniversary of Justice League's release, Wonder Woman actor Gal Gadot sent out a short and sweet photo tweeting calling for Warner Brothers to release the Snyder Cut, starting a chain reaction of tweets from her fellow stars. 
it all comes uh, all comes in response to Justice League fans who pushed the superhero ensemble up the trending charts on social media over the weekend. Uh, Zack Snyder, who in 2017 was replaced by Joss Whedon as director after leaving the movie due to family tragedy, retreated his approval of Godot, Godot's uh, call for director's by now mythic version of wait, the wait. movie. Retreated or retweeted? We retweeted. Okay. We tweeted. I thought I heard you wrong. Okay. Retweeted. Yeah. He, he, said, he said, I like this. I want to say it on my, my feed. Uh, his uh, version of the movie, to see the light of day. Uh, long rumored after the original film's release, the existence of the Snyder Cut ended up being confirmed over time as people close to the DC superhero universe let slip their knowledge of the unseen version in interviews and on social media. Warner Brothers hasn't acknowledged anything regarding the release. Um, Momoa, who's been at the forefront of the movement to get Snyder's definitive version of the movie into fans' hands, says saying early and often that the Snyder Cut is real and that it is awesome. He reignited the topic all over again earlier this month, blasting out an Instagram post of an Aquaman moments in the film, along with the hashtag, release the Snyder Cut. Um, you know what? I hope one day they do. I hope one day they release the Snyder Cut just because I would love to see an alternate take of that film. Sure. But that's not going to happen soon no. for a few very good reasons. One, right. Warner Brothers doesn't seem to know what direction they want to take their superhero movies right now. And if that cut goes against that, they don't want to confuse the waters. Yep. Until they have a vision. Two, they have to wonder how much money they're going to make if they do have this Snyder Cut, where they have to release on uh, physical media, and then, of course, the, they know the fans are going to want to have all the extras and so on that, and that costs money, money that yep. they're not sure they're going to recoup with everybody who uses that hashtag. Kickstarter. There you go. Yeah, I mean, those the studios, they have a good idea how much they'll get return on their investment prior to even committing to anything. So yeah, you're right that them putting it on a physical media, probably not going to happen. I mean, you might get something streaming for that film. If they do the Snyder cut. Uh, and, and there seems to be conflicting stories about how, complete the cut yeah. was my understanding is there's a lot of special effects that are not yeah. complete for that the so effect shots that were not they would have done. to pay for that as well and yeah and and not the same ones that wound up being in the theatrical release yeah. so they would literally have to go back and redo a lot of those those scenes so and not cheap absolutely not and the uh the third uh problem with the whole thing is uh steppenwolf's still in it so yep. uh it, that part's not going to get all that much better nope uh, but don't get me wrong. If there's an alternate cut out there, I'm all about it. Yes, please. I just don't see it happening. Maybe like the 10 year anniversary. Maybe they could do something. They might throw that out there to sell a 10th anniversary version. Sure. And that there might be enough interest in that time after they've already had their vision. Their new vision has been realized and said, OK, this is what we were considering at one point. This is an interesting piece of film history. Here sure. you go. But you're not going to see it for years. No, not, yeah, not for a while. I mean, who knows? They might turn around and make me eat my words, but honestly, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, the, the likelihood of it getting released is higher than the quote-unquote director's cuts of a lot of films, 
but it's still very low percentage that it's possibility that it's going to get released. Uh, and from what I understand, also Steppenwolf in Snyder's version was supposed to look completely different than what ended up in the in the theatrical release. So yeah, not only because I, mean, I think they actually had somebody in an outfit at one point, like a costume. It's a lot of money to completely reworked. So yeah, um, and then also with the amount of money that Warner shot on or spent on reshoots, the theatrical is probably all we're going to get for a while. I mean, I'd say at least to the fifth anniversary of the film, but you're probably right. It'd be like maybe a 10th anniversary. They'll be like, well, we've kept you guys waiting for a long time. Here's that cut you asked for. Sure. For $50. (laughs) And if it wasn't such an important piece of current IP that they own. Right. Like if they had said, you know what? We're just not going to do superhero for a little while. We're just going to let the DC stuff simmer. Let, let's do TV for a while, no movies for a while, then maybe they would have released it. And what is interesting is that they're continuing on with two characters from that so-called cinematic universe that were sure successful. I mean, we're getting another Aquaman film. We're getting, you know, early next year, Wonder the sequel Woman. to Wonder Woman. <clears throat> By the way, I've, I've seen in the shitbird circuit on YouTube uh, uh, talking about... Uh, how uh, it's had disastrous test uh, runs for Wonder Woman. Any? Have you guys uh, seen anything haven't legitimate? Heard that. No, no. And like heard I said, this is the shitbird circuit, so sure. I, I distrust it. But I was just curious if there was any foundation to if, it. If, if there, if there was actual news of that out there in in my research, I would have seen it. So I, I got to feel that's all unfounded stuff yeah. currently. All right. Trusted sources. Yeah. It's funny. uh, Jimmy saw an early cut and didn't like it. That's that's what I'm guessing that is. Tremendous information. (laughs) It's funny. uh, Star Trek writer Dayton Ward on Facebook. He's he's constantly taking pot shots at the whole trusted sources right thing. It's just it's funny. But yeah, I was curious. It popped up in my feed, and then I looked at who was posting it. It's uh, that Midnight's Edge, which is he's one of the worst in being an absolute douche bro. And it was just like, oh, okay. On a side note, Dayton Ward is a really cool guy. Mm -hmm. Um, He used to come in, sit at the bar at Star Trek and uh, chat. And he's from, well, lives in an area where I came from, you know, Kansas City area. So uh, we had that connection. Uh, him Him and Kevin Dilmore, who... Uh, was also a KU grad, so oh, wow. those t- the two of them wrote several novels together, and they came in and you chatted like us up at the track, and that was eat like corn fun and stuff. <laughs> I know, right? Wheat, wheat oh. was what we're known for in Kansas. Oh, really? Yeah, wheat yeah. fields. That's, in Kansas. Uh, it, corn's where I'm from. Yeah, oh. yeah Indiana thing. Huskers. Yeah, but yeah, Dayton. I love oh, watching Dayton. I get it. Take pot shots. At, you get it now? No Hoosiers, not Huskers. Well, wait a minute. These Who's the Huskers? Nebraska. Yes, Corn Huskers. Why'd you say you then? You're Indiana. They're corn too. Indiana has a lot of corn. What does well. Hoosier have to do with corn? There's lots of corn in Indiana. And also and those Indiana Indian ma- those Indian mounds that you That's guys for you, would Jake. loot for at, at state fairs and shit, right? <laughs> loot for. I love it. Pin the tail on the corn. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> okay, fine. So you guys ate wheat? <laughs> we got a lot of wheat fields in Kansas, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what was the conversation like? He pulls up the bar. The other guy pulls up the bar. 
No, I mean we were hey, just, we were just chatting, and then turn uh, on Route 44 there. <laughs> Real high wheat, wheat. Yeah, yeah. Well, my buddy Darren that I bartended <laughs> with uh, had chatted up a little bit, and um, <laughs> they mentioned like this. A, like Answering your question, Matt. I'm trying to answer your okay, question. Okay, 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 <laughs> okay. All right. They mentioned that they had flown in from Kansas. And boy, and, were their arms and tired. Darren goes, and we're Darren goes, oh, hey, Jeff, my guy that I'm bartending with, my friend, he's also from Kansas. So they had me go over there, and I talked to him. I said, they said, and so I heard you're from Kansas. And I was, yeah, Darren's I'm, friend from Kansas. I'd like to introduce 80's Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Darren's friend from Kansas. <laughs> but yeah, we, we got it to, to talk, and they said, you're from Kansas? And I said, yeah. I, and I gave him the short version of my, you know, my journey to get to Las Vegas, and you know, and every year they came back, they they, they remembered out us. The and wheat and started eating. <laughs> talked to us a little bit about what they were working on. By the, the spoonful in the Star Trek novelization world, it, it was pretty cool. The quadro, okay. <laughs> but it's it th- yeah, like, they, a, like a little yeast in that wheat. Yeah, <laughs> those guys are uh, they're they're actually they're pretty good with in terms of. Uh, uh, accepting friend requests from fans or experienced people and then yeah they've they've know. tagged me a couple of times yeah. on posts like which Jeff sadly or Darren's friend from Kansas <laughs> Darren's friend from Kansas <laughs> <laughs> oh Jeff I want you to just one week just one week on Facebook I want you to change your name to Darren's friend from Kansas just one week just one week oh my god it would be just so fucking funny. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll go you one better. I'll, I'll, I'll rename myself Darren's friend from Quarks. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it um, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty funny. And, and boy, oh boy, does he take the piss out of the, uh, out of the uh, uh, shitbird circuit. I mean, it's just good God. He really, t- he really takes umbrage with a lot of these naysayers that have never seen. Oh yeah, well, or read a, a certain property, and then they're you know they're bitching about it. And yeah, he he takes them to task, and and he does it in a very methodical and and logical manner. Mm-hmm. Wow, how does Our Vernon manner. take it? Huh? How does Vernon take it? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you there, Todd. <laughs> That's good. I like that. News don't give a shit about Chuck E. Cheese is ending its animatronic animal band in favor for a complete brand overhaul and new look. What's going to be a rear projection animated thing? Munch's make-believe band is disbanding for good. After revealing back in 2017 that it would slowly be phasing out its robotic rockers, Chuck E. Cheese this week revealed its rebranding strategy to the public, and Mr. Munch, Jasper T. Jowls, and Chuck E. himself will not be coming back in animatronic form. Instead, the report states Chuck E. Cheese will take his act solo, suiting up in a human-inhabited mascot who roams a new interactive dance floor where he'll mingle with kids, dance, and pose for photos with partiers. Dance floor? Really? Uh, I love to mingle with kids on the dance floor. Like, what the fuck? That's yeah, not, you're hired. That, that's a quote. I know, right? That's a quote. By that's, the way. that's a I lawsuit know. waiting to I happen. Know. Mingle with kids on a dance floor. Like, hey there, kid. The change will become My a permanent part. <laughs> change will become a permanent part of the pizza chain's brand across its 600 plus locations. So no more animatronic band for you. I got another Chucky they could use. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's uh, this is our new branding. Go get them. 
Come here, you little fuck. <laughs> he oh, needs yeah. something to do while they're trying to figure out that TV series. <laughs> you know, I. it's probably been 20 years since I've been to a Chuck E. Cheese. But I remember. I wish I could say the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I do remember the animatronics were. Not like the not as, mini golf. Not as cool as I remembered. <laughs> well, it's it's been a slow disassembling over yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> the kiss mini golf. I mean Rocket Fire Explosion was still better. Oh in my opinion. Hands down. And, and and of course it's got a great documentary out there if you folks get a chance. And back in the out. Nolan days, Chucky was king. Right. And his whole his whole animatronic puppety, sure. puppetry menagerie. But yeah, the Band has slowly gone away. Last time I went, there was just the single animatronic whose kind of eye drooped a little. So, so maybe it's <laughs> so maybe they just don't want to pay to keep the upkeep on these things. We going. got we got one right here on the other end of Whitney Ranch. I say we should go. Yeah, just maybe they got that one final one. We can yeah. just say goodbye to Chucky. For there you go. That'd be a great live cast. Would it? <laughs> Would it though? Hi, I'm Master uh. Torgo, and these are a bunch of children. <laughs> but that's enough of the rest of the, the Geek Shot crew. How about these kids? Hey, kids, what, what geeky things you do this week? <laughs> I spilled pizza on myself. Hey, guess what? The kids upstaged our man babies. <laughs> How dare you? That would never happen. We're great, Jeff. That's right. So stupid. We're ready for you. We can geek! Oh no, we can geek. What should we do? <laughs> Stream all over the week of geek. Alright, give it to me, Jack. I mean, Fargo. <laughs> I'm not even running the board today. I need you to say my name right. My name is Jeff, friend of Darren's from Kansas. <laughs> Alright, Jeff's friend from Indiana. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> 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 Disney Plus has signed up over 10 million users since its launch on November 12th. 11 million if you count the hacks. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm so... <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> That's more than... Jesus Christ. That was an exclamation on that, that joke. <laughs> make sure you scratch your speakers, folks. You can smell that one. <laughs> Jesus. This is a special Geek Shock Scratch and Sniff episode. Oh, it's special, all right. Well, let me stick this mic up Andy's ass. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> he already had his colonoscopy. He's fine. Uh, well, this one's audio. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, 10 million mark is more than even the highest industry expectations for the streamer, possibly bolstered by Verizon's free year deal and the week-long free trial. Oh, probably. Big time. Yeah. Analysts had predicted the service would nab around 8 million subscribers by the end of the year, a number that Disney Plus blew past in one day. Uh, Disney Plus launched Monday with a slew of MCU entre uh, entries, but Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home absent, as Sony has the rights to them. The two companies settled on co-production deal for their feature films, but the streaming rights are another issue. Get uh, ready for Sony Plus. In other Disney Plus news, the streaming service has added a disclaimer to the descriptions of some of its older catalog titles. The landing pages for films like The Jungle Book and Aristocats <laughs> note that the movies, quote, may contain outdated cultural depictions 
We are Siamese. Yes. If you please. You see, this is one of those moments that I'm and very King, glad. King Louis. King Louis. <laughs> I'm very glad that we have Sam Heffernan's new theme. Ah. But the show would have started with the Siamese cat song. <laughs> now, I want to see the disclaimer for Song of the South. <laughs> That's just never This gonna... whole Don't movie. You... Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Don't you know, according to Disney, that movie doesn't exist? Oh, okay. That's, that's, they, they've scrubbed it from their history it's with the exception the mo- of the uh, it's one of their most popular rides but we yeah. don't know what it's from <laughs> that's that's just got to be a, a just a balancing act of corporate fuckery just to say yeah yeah splash mountain fantastic ride what's it based on nobody knows <laughs> <laughs> what everybody loves a good water ride log ride riding the log anal sex <laughs> Go get wet, kids. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Chucky's at the top. <laughs> Jesus. Books of Blood, a six-volume collection of horror stories by Clive Barker, is getting made into a feature film for Hulu. Star Trek franchise producer Bronan Braga will co-write, executive produce, and direct the film for the streaming service, making it his feature de- directorial debut. Braga has directed episodes of the shows Salem, Cosmos, and The Orville, latter of which he is currently an executive producer. Seth MacFarlane will also produce. In the upcoming film, Anna Friel plays Mary, a psychologist and famed skeptic supernatural debunker who loves her seven-year-old son. Oh, oh sorry. Let me. What? Who, who loses her seven year old son to leukemia? Oh, that's that's bad. No, wow. She loves her son to to, to leukemia. <laughs> I can't even laugh at that. I, mean, just, I can't even laugh at that. I can't. Oh, you need to get out of the medical field, man. You're developing the feels. <laughs> who loses her seven-year-old son to leukemia. Her skepticism is put to the test when she meets Simon, a charismatic young man who claims he is a ghost whisperer who speaks for her dead child. Does he also like to do drawings? Yes. Yes, he does. Yes. Meanwhile, Brent Robertson plays Jenna, a hypersensitive girl who suffers from misphonia, an abhorrence of sound, and she learns her mother is about to send her back to the, quote, farm, she steals her mother's cash and sets out for Los Angeles. Yul uh, uh, Vasquez plays Bennett, a professional killer whose latest hit clues him on a priceless book that may allow him and his wife to permanently retire. I guess I should have said this was an anthology film. <laughs> I, like I like it. Like an assassin whose latest hit. It's just like, you know, is it a song? Is it a book? Is it a movie? What's his latest hit? Uh, his latest hit is Stop Screwing Around, Bennett. If you haven't read it, Books of Blood is one of the best short story collections ever put to writing. It is, uh, Clive Barker has written many fantastic things over the years. That is his magnum opus, as far as I'm concerned. So if you like short stories, horror short stories, uh, very bizarre ones, um, I'm very excited to see more of his stories from that uh, set of books come to well, any storytelling. The only time I've known this to come forward in the past has been uh, they did a version of Midnight Meat Train, right? Uh, which is the first story of the Books of Blood. They made that into a, its own standalone movie. 
And then what's the one that starred Scott Bakula back in the 90s? Oh, uh, Prince of... Uh, no. Not Prince of... Uh, Prince of Thieves, Prince of Darkness. Now I've messed up your God thoughts damn it. all together. Poughkeepsie. I'm not helping my own cause. Go to the uh, device. There you go. But that one is also based <laughs> on a story from the Books of Blood, as is the movie Candyman. Those all started as short stories from this series. Is it, is, is it Bacula, uh, the exploitation movie? Yes, it is. Where he's not quite black, yeah. so he's just Just Bacula. as back is, Bacula. Yeah. Yeah. Bacula. Yeah. Lord of Illusions. God that's damn it. it. That's it. Yeah, Lord of Illusions. That's Lord Prince. of Illusions. Prince. Okay. And that's a character that uh, appears multiple times in Clive Barker's novels as well. Mm. But yeah, I, I Prince the, Lord God, he's like illusion. They've done comic book adaptations of his stories. Mysterio. I want to see more physical adaptations. I hope this does well for Hulu, so they do more and more, and hopefully most. Because if they can do uh, things in the the story's called "In the Hills in the Dale," something like that. A phenomenal story about two giants who come together to fight. In the back areas of England. No, oh, cool. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's amazing, but I don't want to give it away. Read it. I think it's the second book what? in the first they're, book of Blood. They're two giants fighting. What are you? What are you giving away? Now, trust me, baby. <laughs> trust me. <clears throat> the PlayStation Four has finally eclipsed every other gaming console in history, except for its own PS2 predecessor, to become the second biggest seller of all time. Sony's most recent sales figures reportedly wide, uh, reported widely show the PS4 sliding into the number two spot of all-time bestseller list with 102.8 million systems sold as of the end of September. That's enough uh, to slip past the previous number two unit, Sony's original PlayStation, but still far behind history's all-time biggest seller, PlayStation 2, which ranked up a seemingly unsurpassable 159 million sales over its 13 years in production. While the PS4 has pretty much sold... That's a good system, very good system. Yeah. Well, in 13 years. Yeah, it was around for yeah, ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to get that number. I mean, and they keep updating so rapidly. You're, you just, yeah, you now know. the console is going to last, what, four or five years? Right, stops? right, right. right. And uh, while the PS4 is pretty much sold at the same pace as the PS2, slightly faster, in fact... Is due to be eclipsed by the PlayStation 5, which Sony expects to roll My out God. holidays next year. I'm good. Yeah, that means it's I unlikely the PS4 shit. will hang around long enough to beat its Where's the Switch on that list? Uh, I don't think it Nowhere. is. Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong. Switch well, is I love a, the Switch. The, the Switch, Switch is, is a successful system. Yeah. Amazing games. It sells well, especially family-friendly ones and the people that love the old-school uh, characters of Nintendo. They still yeah. make great games. So it's like the Betamax of video games? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It just it doesn't have enough to make me want to go out and buy it. It just doesn't have a, a big enough catalog. I understand your feels. I, I, I bounce back and forth with it because there are games on it I would like to sure. play. It's the Smash Brothers, the Mario Makers, that sort of thing. I've The, the latest Zelda, I can't say the new Zelda, that's still coming. But yeah, exciting. What's your favorite game on that, Matt? Uh, I was playing the what the fuck? Well, my favorite game. Um, it makes quite an impression. No, on it's, him. it's a Zelda game. I just can't remember the fucking. It's not Breath of Wild. Breath of the Wild. It's a redone one. Oh, um, I like Zelda. I'm so glad they got a female protagonist for the video game. You know, yeah, Zelda. Yeah, 
Such a sleeper, that one. <laughs> God damn, it's going to bother me now. <laughs> wow. I'll He's so wrapped up, he didn't know. Oh, I got it. it. Hold on. Oh, <laughs> that's, a, that's all right. Let me talk about some dead people, and then we'll get right back to dead this. Dead people. Okay? Dead people. Okay. Uh, I Lauren, see dead people. Lawrence G. Paul, the art and production designer whose me- memorable movie worlds came to life in iconic films like Ridley Scott's Blade Runner and Robert Zemeckis' Back to the Future, yep. has died at the age of 81. In addition to Blade Runner and Back to the Future, his artistic vision also graced John Carpenter's Memoirs of an Invisible Man. As- Sorry. Uh, Legend of Zelda, Please. Link's Awakening. Ah. I like that one. Just because okay. the style of it's like it's almost like a Lego. Almost. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I don't get it. Who's that Link? I mean, what, what does he have to the- do with Zelda? Yeah, Matt. Do you play Zelda when you play Zelda? No, you play Link. You're Link. Well, what, what's where? Where'd Zelda go? Zelda's She's a the, legend. <laughs> Got to give him that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna push through it, but I looked over and he's got that grin. So, oh well, yeah, that grin. There's just nothing you can do. Yeah. He also designed Escape from L.A. <laughs> as well as Project X and Predator Two, has a host of non-genre action and drama films from the '70s to the '90s. Uh, also, want we lost. Uh, want, want some candy? Also, we want lost Virginia Leaf, who starred in 1962's *The Brain That Wouldn't Die*. Oh God! Passed away at the age of 94. Born in Cleveland in 1925, uh, Leaf worked as a hat check girl and waitress before making the transition into modeling. It was during a cover shoot for *Look* magazine that she met a young Stanley Kubrick. Ooh, who proceeded to torture her into madness. <laughs> Working as a photographer at the time, Kubrick uh, soon gave Leith her feature film debut in his first production, Fear and Desire. While this led to a variety of roles for the 50s, 60s, and 70s, she is perhaps best remembered as Jane in the Pan in the low-budget camp classic The Brain That Wouldn't Die, also a Mystery Science Theater episode. Yes, indeed. After her character gets decapitated in a car wreck, her deranged scientist fiancé recovers her head and brings it back to life in his lab while he waits to find the perfect new body. Uh, She's survived by her daughter, Mary Heron, who carved her own path in show business, including directing the 2000 horror satire American Psycho. Hmm. That I did not know. Suzanne Collins' Hunger Games prequel novel won't be available until May. Oh, well, okay. So that's that story. <laughs> that's the end of that one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> but a movie adaptation is already in the works. Oh, wow. <laughs> the Catching Fire and Mockingjay director Francis Lawrence may board this one as well. Quote, Lawrence? Uh, Francis Lawrence. That's the director of the last two. Is that a coincidence? Right. Quote, I've definitely Nepotism. been talking to Suzanne about it and Lionsgate about it. It's something I could absolutely love to do. Unquote, the filmmaker recently told People. Uh, the book Songbirds and Snakes will take place 64 years before the events of the first three books. Oh, wow. So they're going to have to do some major de-aging on Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> this will probably take... Yeah. This will probably take... Like um, embryo. Yeah. <laughs> this will probably introduce the first war that introduced him to all that. Probably. No, no. You have to read the book, dude. I'm not going to read that book. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, read a book. I read all the time. Oh, okay. I just don't talk about it. All right. Yeah. Well, good. Oh, shit. I know. What geeky things you (laughs) do this week, Matt? We know you don't don't talk about it because you always don't have anything to say at the beginning of the show. (laughs) I'm not here to talk about geeky shit. (laughs) And a new VR experience featuring the voice of Linda Hamilton. 
called Terminator Guardian of Fate is coming to 130 Dave & Buster locations, featuring motion-replicating chairs and HTC Vibe headsets. Oh, yeah. The four-player ride allows players to blast their way past, quote, a zombie-style shootout with the Terminator, <laughs> unquote. You said it like that, like, oh, yeah, Vibe headset. I just see the guy, uh, sir, that goes on your head, not in your crotch? What are you doing? <laughs> Give me a minute. Just a minute. It's like like Voyager, like our our uh, uh, Borg encounter thing, our Borg invasion. When the seats, you know, or stabs you in the back, stabs and kills you in the back yeah. and sprays you <laughs> yeah. in the face. I hated that thing. Oh, that was that so... backstab give you a bruise if you're not careful. Yeah, hit you in the right spot on your butt. Thank yep. goodness they closed that shit you down. You ain't leaving. You remember that story, huh? Of course I do, Jeff. What? I did not hear. Oh the well, story. Darren's friend from Kansas. This guy. He in got the, it. In the Good. early days of the Borg encounter, before it was open to the public, they had a lot of us go on on the test rides. And uh, one of the test rides, the pistons were set too high and were literally like jabbing me in the back and in the ass. It was very unpleasant. I had to like move into the other side of the seat, so I wasn't getting. And that's how Darren's bruised. friend from Kansas lost his virginity. Yeah. Of course, that, that led to the eventual 4D attraction. Star Trek Rora Penthe. <laughs> where you just you go through Klingon prison. <laughs> so anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, Terminator Guardian of Fate, oh, the yeah. five-minute ride, plans to implement a follow-up chapter to the five experience minutes, that includes last. multiple endings. Uh, but for now, gamers will all attempt to blast to the same victory screen. Multiple. Uh, Dave and Buster's has been developing deeper into the game sphere with VR experiences. Earlier ones include Jurassic World. I've been on that one. It's it's all right with the headset and everything. Yep. Yeah, nope. just all right. Yeah, it's not. It, it's it's not no a, void. No, I kind of liked the void, Star Trek one. Void is amazing. Like where they, oh, void is so good. If you're ever in Vegas, guys, or if you have a void near, it's, there's I mean, a few of them. The void, yeah, yeah. Go to go to those ones. Yeah, I think there's, they have a new J- Jumanji experience out there now. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. There's another one too. Out here we got Avengers. That's the one. <laughs> I yeah. talked to uh, Vernon about that, and yeah, they're keeping a tight lid on ticketing for that one, so there's no comping into that. Oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Are they still doing the locals discount though? Maybe, pre- probably. I don't know. Then we're good. How are you? Oh. Good. Write to us. Comments at uglycouchshow.com. We're done. And until next week, so I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Oh, wait, wait. Darren's friend, Jeff, <laughs> from Quarks. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> um, uh, 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 Matt's friend from Henderson. They believe Matt. And we'll talk to you next <laughs> week in Geek. Xanadu, guys. <laughs> Xanadu. Xanadu. You mean Xanadu. I'm Kira. Always remember that. Remember what? The, the song. The, 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 you know what? That is a standout moment. magic, okay? Yeah. You know what? When those, when those hits hit, you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It feels that Those moments feel comfortable because they're, they're hits you know. But there are a few songs in there. There's one that she sings at the end. That is like this song is an absolute dog waiting for time or time what time to stop. So uh, waiting for time. What yeah. a great concept. Yeah. It's almost yeah. as bad as the Tommy version, the movie version of Tommy. Uh, but y- like exaggerated. You know what? There is a similarity in the two. The uh, I mean, like it's just out there in a lot of spots. 
it's yeah it's got that same for no reason we're just gonna go weird yeah. right now yeah exactly and now back to the story yeah and yeah they take sometimes song breaks but sometimes they just take a break while a song plays mm-hmm. it's Xanadu, not a musical but it is is Xanadu as bad or worse than The Room in a different way okay I will say The Room is probably more entertaining just because of how over the top it is and it's yeah. everything's delivery yeah Xanadu, they are trying to make a good movie. And a, then, okay. As far okay. as they can see, a good movie. There's just no script there. They just keep adding things. Yep. And for for no goddamn good reason right. in many places. And the fact that roller discos are such a moment in time. Yeah. That it just the camp factors just turned yeah, way. Yeah. That up. that late seventies, early eighties. If you've if you've ever disco. if you've ever seen the musical The Apple. Which came out the same year. Uh, it's kind of like that. Who here seen the apple? Huh? Hands up. <laughs> no, just me. Oh, just you. Oh, okay. Torgo. Torgo.